welcome everyone to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. We are live at Capital Crime in London. I hope that you all are having a great day. I have to tell you, coming from Florida, it is the most beautiful weather. Uh, We're at thunderstorms and rains every single day in South Florida. Here, if you get a light mist, it's over in 15 minutes. But I am sitting with two amazing guys. Where's your, where's your, uh, your book cover? One of them you may or may not know. He's very, very shy. Uh, he is an influencer in the book world. Um, you, you may have read his blog. You may know he's a chemist. You may know about gin through him. Um, his name is Ali Karim. Ali, welcome to Authors on the Air. Hello. There he is being Ali. <laughs> Are you having fun? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, the thing is, we all lead very, very busy lives. Yes, and we then do. for a couple of days, our lives intersect, and we don't, you know, get embarrassed about saying the beauty of a paragraph, right? If you were to discuss that with, you know, after a dinner party, you could get arrested. This is true. And I have my friend here, Mr. Forshaw. So I want to ask you, um, and we're going to get to Barry in just a minute. Right. Um, yesterday, you were on a panel. You did a panel with? Oh, Martina, my, with Martina, my dear, dear friend, Martina, Martina Cole. Martina Cole, who is the queen of thrillers here in the U.K. and probably every place else. She's on a panel again today. Delightful. You had everybody laughing. Well, the thing is, you have to remember, when Martina started... Um, she was a single mother, and in fact, her first book, Dangerous Lady, was the first UK paperback original. Now, at that stage, she has built up a readership, um, but, but she changed the genre. So many people are looking at the blue-collar crime, but she's a, such a remarkable person. I met her very early days where um, she was a guest with George Pelicanos, and George was writing the Nick Stefanos novels at the right. time, and they were blue-collar, Greek immigrant mentality and stuff. Martina, it's the Irish, um, you know, underworld that she writes about. And I saw a similarity between the two at that stage. And she still remembers the essay I did. But, you know, that was a long time ago. I was a young man then. But anyway. Ali, you know, you really are an influencer in the book world, particularly here in the UK. But you know a lot of people in in the US, too. Um, How is it that you came to love books so much and to become such an icon at conferences and book events? Well, basically, um, without going into too much detail, when I was very young, uh, the library was a refuge, right, uh, where a lot of people, you know, people who read, they they, they tend to, and they write, they tend to, you know, have have sort of hidden into books. And I've lived in my own world. I'm a a real introvert. I only have a few friends. (laughs) No, 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 serious. But Barry and I are kind of laughing here in no, case you're wondering. I, I know, you know, there. But the problem being is um, my family often get a bit confused. If I'm at a dinner party, I'm sort of, you know, don't really want to talk about it unless people want to talk about books or chemistry right. or trucking with right. tea. Right, right. You know, there. And, and so I was in the library. Uh, I read, but see, when I started reading, it was... Um, Anthony Buckeridge, and then I moved on to Alison McLean and then Agatha oh, Christie. Oh, yeah. But then, then came H.P. Lovecraft. Oh. And then the horror started. Right. Okay, and then, and then my life. Well, sometimes, you see, when you live life, you know, we all think we live it in the first person. I live it in the third person. I anyway. Think, I think a lot of us book lovers are like that. How many books do you own? 
I have more books than are normally healthy and I read more than is healthy. I, I recently had to um, get my book collection into a storage sort of location, but uh, basically I, I, it was all palletized up. So there was about 28 pallets of books, so about 24 tons, right? And that's without the um, digital stuff I have and right. the audio stuff. And incidentally, Barry's here, but he did an amazing panel. I'm, I'm really a fan of audio and uh, Barry did a real good one there. Well, let's introduce Barry so you know who we're talking about. Barry Forshaw is sitting with me. He actually took Ali's places first in line, but then Ali came back, and I didn't want to offend him. You know. <laughs> Hi, Barry. Hi. Nice how, to be here. How are you? I'm fine. We I've actually, had a very good festival. We did a little bit of um, video first. So are, you're enjoying Capital Con. I am. I'm always happy to talk to people from the colonies. Thank you so much. We're, we're grateful for that. Happy you let us go. Although, would you like us back? No, you stay where you are. <laughs> well, well get, come over here to Britain. We like you over here. Well, uh, I'd like to be over here, too. <laughs> you have with you a copy of the new cover for your book. It's called Crime Fiction, A Reader's Guide. And it's a, the foreword is by Ian Rankin. And it's an indispensable guided tour of the mean streets and blind alleys that make up world's most popular literary genre. And I have to tell you, it's a very pulpy-looking cover, <laughs> which, which I adore. I think it's magnificent. Um, tell me about this. Well, the, the publisher did say to me, we're going for a retro cover. I thought, I'm not so sure. But as soon as that appeared, an astonishing response from people like Ali. All, everybody loved the fact it's 1950s. Uh, pan paperbacks. It is, and everybody loves that era, and it, they love it. Those you it said is. you said you like Christie. So Absolutely, we, we grew up with this that. is this would be considered pulp or noir in the states, but it, it reminds me of going into a bookstore and spinning around the rack and yes, filling my book racks. for, yeah. my book for twenty five well, cents. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah. When you uh, say twenty five cents, it's interesting because I'm originally from Liverpool. I was uh -huh. with Imran Mahmood who's here, and we had a lot of American books. We would get Ballantine paperbacks. Right. Ali yeah, mentioned yeah, Lovecraft. Delray, yeah. Delray, so I read yeah. Ross MacDonald. Oh, yes. I discovered early on. I thought, God, this guy is... Yes. But I realized that somebody 175 like pages and, and 175 pages and that was the book. Yes. And it was the complete story. You didn't have to read and read and read just to... You, know, you could probably rip out pages of other books to make them condense as those ones. And in fact, you know, Charles Arday, I mean, your cover for the book is so reminiscent now of the hard case crime. Yes. And it was, you were saying about the colonies, it was thanks to Virgin Publishing in the UK that took over Charles R. Day's publishing rights for uh, publishing those paperbacks. And you can have them in the back pocket. Mm -hmm. And then you can get well, Stephen King's Colorado Kid, which has just been reissued with illustrations as well. But they were a kind of uh, an exchange when I was growing up as a boy. Yes. American paperbacks and American comics. 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 Whenever at school people would open a comic and it was in full color, which because British comics weren't then, it was the most desired item. It was an object of desire and the Ballantine paperback was the same. In fact, ironically, I read first The Time Machine and then people like that in the American paperbacks. You know, um, I, it's so interesting that you're talking about comics because this does bring us back to the day. Mm. Um, my parents would not let my brothers and I read comics. Mm. They did not recognize it as a they legitimate... They corrupted American youth. They, they did. So, but any book I wanted to read, that was fine. And that meant my mom... Remember the abridged books that yes. came in Reader's yes. Digest? We had yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. Well, we, used to do them over here. We, yeah, we had them all over the house. My mom was a huge reader, so... Because War and Peace slimmed down to a little novella. To, yeah. you know, which is the way it should be written. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but, but truly, that's 
that was the way I started reading books. And then I got turned on to the spin racks with Agatha Christie. Mm. And, and that's a panel yesterday morning. Did you think, with when, you, when you read those Agatha Christie books, did you think this is a real picture of, of England? Or did you know it was a never-never land in those books? Well, well, I'll tell you the honest truth. Um, I thought this was the first author I read, had started reading that had more than one book. And I thought, oh, no, I, I want to read them in order because I did not know that each story was a standalone because I recognized that there were similar, like, you know, depending upon who it was, or Marple or whoever it was going to be. So I went and looked up her books in order, and that's how I bought them and right. read them. Right. You know, her 115 books or however many she had. Which ones remain in your memory? Um, Ten, Little, Ten Little Indians. Yeah. Um, the Murder on the Orient Express was absolutely my favorite. And stunning. And the book that broke all the rules, the most yeah. of Roger Ackroyd. Yeah, right. Yeah. All of them. I had all of them. ABC. And here's the interesting thing. I used to go to the bookstore and take them off the rack. It was like a dollar or something. And I'd go back the next day and I'd get the next one. And after about a week, the owner said to me, what are you doing? And I said, well, I finished reading the book, so I, I want to read the next one. He said... Let me see the book that you just bought yesterday. And so I, I'd walk back. I'd bring him the book. The spine was not even cracked. And he said, just give me the books back. You can take them home and read them and bring wow. them back. And that's how I read. That does not sound like a good businessman, then. Well, he was a nice guy, and I think he liked me, and I was young, you know. So. We were all young. <laughs> we were all we young. We were all young. So, Once. Barry, tell me about your books. Well, I've written a lot, as Ali knows, books on Brit Noir, American Noir, Nordic Noir, Euro Noir. Historical noir, yeah, pretty well everything. But I hadn't written one book, except for a book I worked on with Ali called The British Crime Writing Encyclopedia. Right, right. But that still was only Britain. So I thought, why not, maybe as the magnum opus, to a book that has everything from Edgar Allan Poe and Charles Dickens and Conan Doyle up to the present. And all the writers here at Capital Crime are in it, I think. Barry, can I interrupt there? Sure. Um, I remember The Rock Guide, right, which was great, but it was too short to too me. Too short. Right. So, so well, this, 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 this kind of grew out of a, a little kernel, which was the Rough Guide of Crime Fiction published by Penguin. And I had Ian Rankin do a foreword for me, yeah. as you can see he's done for this one. It says on the Amazon website, Crime Fiction of Guide by Ian Rankin and Barry Forshaw, I don't mind. I don't mind because it will help the sales that Ian Rankin's name is on the mm. But I tried to cover everything, but, um, and you can't, because the genre is changing. You but can actually change that, by the way, if you really wanted to, you know? You're probably right, Jim. Um, well, but he's brilliant anyway, and so that's okay. Let's talk about your books. Why noir? It's a shorthand. It, a lot of writers like Alexander McCall Smith, or mm -hmm. American writers, said to me, I am not noir. I said, it's a shorthand for crime. Okay. And it's now accepted. But people still want noir to mean dark, rainy streets. Yeah. Well, I think they want, you know, what the, what the film noir portrays. In America, a lot of the, they call them the neo-noirs, mm. are really more the guy who's, you know, kind of down on his luck and he thinks he sees an opportunity, but sure as heck, it's not really going to be an opportunity. And he's going to end up dead. He's dead or worse off than when he started. Yeah. So, so there's a little bit of a difference, you know, between what you look at as noir and what, that we look at in the United States. Yes. To me, thriller, mystery, noir, pulp, whatever it is, I'll read it. But I also like other genres. Yes. Who inspires well, So what else do you read outside? Did you I read, read horror? Horror is the only thing I won't read. Serious? I used to get scared from Vincent Price and Bela Lugosi movies. Oh, uh, well, Barry also... <laughs> 
I thought I knew a lot about horror fiction until I met Barry, right? <laughs> and, and he is Mr. Horror. But you know, my my love of Lovecraft, or disturbing stuff. Well, I weird, love Lovecraft, weird, actually. Yeah, yeah the weird. Yeah. And the Mountains of Madness is my favorite. Yeah. What's your favorite Lovecraft? I I don't have a favorite you know? because they're all weird to me. All right, what about so Barry then? I would go back further, and you did mention Vincent Price. Yeah. yeah. So I grew up as a boy on the Vincent Price Poe movies. Oh, wow. The Pit and the Pendulum. Pit and the Pendulum. And yes. I knew that Vincent Price had his tongue firmly in his cheek. Right. But they still worked on the level of being... Well, let me tell you what I know fun. about Vincent Price. He put out a limited edition cookbook. Yes. And I had it. That's as close <laughs> as I came to anything Vincent Price did. He was also a specialist in, in fine art. Yes, he, he was. He was a buyer for Sears and, Rip, Sears and Rip. And my father was a manager. Right. So, so it was all, yeah, in, in Miami. So, yeah. that's, that's, oh, that's unusual. That's so really it's, you know, how about that? Six Barry, degrees of separation, yeah, right? Yeah, Barry knows all this weird trivia. You do. Yeah, yeah, but it's not a good thing. Ali has said that before. It's not a good thing to know as much as we know because it slightly pushes you onto the autistic spectrum. No, to no, no, retain no. the information I, I can retain, I it's not a good thing. When I but well, you feel welcome here. Because well, yes, we know it all. Exactly. <laughs> but when you were in with the general populace... As you said earlier, with the general public doesn't really trust people who know all that stuff. But yeah. you know something, Barry? Here's the thing. When I go to pub night and they're doing Trivial Pursuit, I want you on my team. Okay. Yeah. Not when it comes to sport, though, because I know nothing about And sport. I know a lot about sport. Yeah, well, so we're, we're okay. We're and Allie knows everything about everything else. No, so. I don't. You know about chemistry. I know. I, I could talk for the next hour, if you'd like, on Carrie Moore by Thomas Harris, if I choose not to, because I'm in the minority that thinks it's his say, novel. To say, to say that, that Ali is in the minority of the last Thomas Harris understates the case <laughs> greatly. <laughs> we all liked it. I mean, everybody in there liked it, but we were waiting for something as good as the... No, 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 but this is the problem yeah. you can't No, I, you I, can't I compare. Talk about yeah, I know, Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs were just so exceptional, right? But Carrie Moore, as a concise 70,000-word exercise... It's not what he's written. It's the gaps within sentences. And you can pick up small... Even Hannibal Rising... Does Thomas Harris pay you to say this? No, but even <laughs> even Hannibal Rising, which is reviled by the most quarters... The Ali Karim Show, coming to you live oh, no. from Capital you, Prime in London. You can remember moments like when Popple tried to climb out of, the, uh, out, out of the well he was thrown into by the Lithuanians, and he saw fingernail marks and the words, Pourquoi? I'm not as he is, Ali is the only person who remembers that passage from the book. No, no. So, um, so let me ask you both this. Barry, if you had to take one book out of all of your collection, which book would you take? Tough one. I'm going to cheat and answer that by saying the entire oeuvre of Ross MacDonald. I, I think it's I, probably the best. Wonderful though Chandler is and Hammett. I love their books. I do. I like maybe The Big time. Sleep, but if you take all the books of of Ross MacDonald and, and fuse them all together that's the book I'd take because they're books about human psychology they about are. families they are the betrayals in families and they're fun and they're fun he writes good women Chandler wasn't so good on women right women with family I don't mean in rude no right? anyway yeah, but, yeah. but Chandler would admit that he wasn't good at plot no I right. don't he I said know. I'm not really interested in plot no uh, he just liked the characters and the characters right. so, whereas, whereas MacDonald's are machine tool plotting it's true. What about so, you? Who would you pick? Yeah, come on, Pam. Who would you, know, you pick? You're on the spot. the question. I so. probably would pick um, Shibumi. Okay. Trevani and I, I uh, love that book. Wonderful books. And they're not read nowadays. No, and it's and really those, a shame. those books, Trevani, uh, I haven't read them myself in 20 you, years. You're all, you will all be aware. It was Don Winslow, who was here yesterday, that did the follow-up. Oh. 
um, to Sartori. Sartori yeah, was the follow-up right, right. to... Um, now, didn't you notice when Don Winslow appeared, there was a real sense of stardust? No, so, without a doubt, yeah. without a doubt. So when Don Winslow yeah. and Ian Rankin were in the... Yeah. Ian Rankin, I, I love him. Yeah. I've, I've interviewed him several times. I think he's great. Although I do have a problem with Don Winslow. I didn't know you. It's about these surfers, these, these beach bums he, he used to write about. And I said, but oh, those, those guys are all kind of... California far yeah. and what's his They're name? They're all a bit yeah. brain dead. He said, no, they're very bright guys. They just have this image of being beach bums and not bright. And then he took him out the next great wave. He doesn't... But the turning better. point was... The real breakout over here, Barry, was Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog. When Power of the it, Dog came it was, in. It's in the States, too. Ali, your one book? Right. My one book would consist of uh, Dennis Lehane, everything he's oh, ever written. God, right, yes. okay. Um, uh, the complete works of Lawrence Block, right, and the... Um, um, this is, all, all this the, is your all one the book. All the works of uh, Howard Phillips Lovecraft. Stephen King. We're now to four. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, Robert Crace, I would have to take with me oh as well. Oh, my God, right? yes. Early Lee Child and even his new one, Blue Moon, would definitely be in that one book that you've uh, restricted me. You're to. missing one, the one woman who needs to be in any. No, Harlan Coben. And it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Agatha Christie. No, it would be Patricia Highsmith. For me. Highsmith. Yeah. Hi, hi, but you actually interviewed Highsmith, I didn't did. you? As a very young man. You were 12 at the time, I believe. How did you get in there? I was 20, and I came to a, a, a launch party no, for another no, author. No, you were 12. Uh, you were it was 12. 20. Yeah. And the editor, I saw this woman standing in the corner of the room. Smoking furiously, this jet black hair. You could smoke in parties then. Right. And I said to this editor friend of mine, who's now dead, surely that's Patricia Highsmith. He said, yes, okay. nobody will talk to her. She is so fearsome. Go and talk to her. So I thought, what, what do I You were 20. What yeah, have you yeah. got to lose, right? And she was, she was eccentric. She was everything you wanted her to be. How, how wonderful. And I did ask her about how she felt about writing about a psychopath. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and said, what do you mean? I said, well, you write about psychopaths. She said... Tom Ripley only kills people who get in his way. So her definition... Just like want to go on that point. Barry is brave enough to interview writers such as James Elroy, yeah. right? Oh, you know, magnificent. You know, uh, Ed McBain, yeah. right? And, and some of the writers who would be interesting to interview. I'll use that word interesting because it can have a myriad set of, you know, things. But anyway, um, yeah, the one book, uh, going back to the one book, sorry, yes. Lawrence Block as well would have to be in that one book list. Larry right? yeah, yeah. yeah, Larry Block would definitely have to be there. And then for, from the Highsmith, absolutely. Uh, Barry, what would be your favourite British Highsmith? I mean, outside Tom Ripley. It wouldn't be a Ripley book. Right, which one? No, I just, I would say all her other non-Ripley books are her best Then work. pick one. While you're thinking, I Cry of the Owl. Cry of the Owl. Yeah. The whole idea of that stalker business right there. But I would have to say, and she has said that it's her favourite novel. I just reread it recently, The Glass Key. Glass the, key. Glass the Glass Cell. The Glass Cell. Glass yeah, the glass, come, yeah. glass yeah. key might be another right. Yeah, but then also in the one book thing, I definitely all of Jim Thompson would have to be in my one book collection, right? I just recently read them, and you know they were very risque for their time. Also, uh, Richard Stark. The complete works of Richard Stark. I'm just sorry now you yeah. asked for one book. You know, Imagine okay. if you'd asked for uh, more than one but, book. Uh, you know, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> if I had to choose, and you mentioned Bob Crace, who yeah. I love everything he's written. Mm. I, I like Mike Connolly's books, especially the new ones. You know, ones. just a <laughs> trivia, uh, Robert Crace, you mentioned comics. His first publication was a letter he wrote in The Amazing Spider-Man. I think it was issue 161. And that was his first book. His brain is amazing. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask him next time I interview him. I like, um, I like Mike Conley's newest books with Ballard. I love the, tri- mm. the twist that it's taking. And, you know, The Night Fire. 
has the three. Yes, yeah. I know. He's got the and three. it's got three shocking yeah. things that happened that I never in my life expected. Mm. I will not give it no, away. No, don't. Oh, I, no. Love, I love Preston and Charles Pendergast character. Mm. Um, I love in romance Susan Elizabeth Phillips. I think there's no one who writes any better. She's not really um, known. Tess Garrison? Pardon me? She's not known over here? No. No, she's not. She no. is strictly... Tess is wonderful. Tess Garrison. Yes. You, you know, the new book is really I, amazing. I but, you know, uh, I... And she's very nice, too. Yeah, and, and the thing is... Um, and I'm not saying too much because it's all legal, but, you know, gravity, the film version, right, right you know. Right. And some things that can happen in life are a bit odd. But Tess Gerritsen, Karen Slaughter, another one that is disturbing as well. But, yeah. you know, my one book selection, I could carry on for another hour, but I'll, I'll, I'll cease at this point. Well, you know... Do you like my one book? <laughs> I, I like everybody's books. All right, good. You are my hero if you can write a book. You're my celebrity. Yeah, not at all. You know, I don't... Barry's the, Barry's the man. I yeah. don't own a television, so anyone who can write a book is a hero <laughs> of mine. You're my celebrity. Here's what I will say. I like reading across genre. Um, I don't like horror, as I told you, for crazy yeah. reasons, because when I was a kid... Um, I do love talking to writers, though, and finding out the books they like. And, Ellie, you have such a terrific memory. I think I read almost, sometimes I read four books in a day. Mm. And those are just books on my Kindle, and usually it's light stories, okay? So I don't remember all of them, but also I'm like, you have an embarrassment of riches. I get so many books all, all, you know, every day, all the time. And so it's, sometimes I feel like, you know, shame on me. I don't have to read those books. I don't have to read them, and um, and uh, it, because if they don't catch me in the first page or two, yes, there it is. And Ex- except and there I, are some books that are slow burners. So I, I, I realize that. Know. And if I and, and here's the thing: when I'm reading what everybody else is saying, um, and and I think I've missed it, then I'll go back. Yes, my gut instinct is usually right, though. And, well, you mentioned that because of Robert Galbraith, I didn't cover the first one for the Financial Times. I'm their crime critic. Right. And they rang me and said, why did you not cover the Galbraith? You know who she is. Right. Absolutely. And I said yeah, at the yeah, time, no, I didn't yeah. know who she was. Right. And it's no. very good, but, you know, you would, exactly. you would pay more attention to J.K. Rowling than Robert Galbraith. But, you know, the, I can't say too much, but the story behind it is it's almost a crime for yeah. its own right. As you say. As you say. But we can't say, about. yeah, we can't talk about it. But anyway, it's really good. I need to get more coffee. Okay, yeah, so I'm going to dash in a minute. I'm so glad you stopped by. We've yeah. been so quiet the whole time. We've hardly seen each other. No worries. <laughs> uh, it's been a pleasure. And Barry, Thank you, right, Ali. Take care, I'll right. see you later take on, Don. Bye. So, Barry, you know, we're, I want to continue on this, on this path of, of writing and all. Did you, you've been a journalist. You've been an interviewer. You've kind of done it all. Yes. <clears throat> Jack of all trades, master of none. I no, think. I think master. I know you're not. I, I, I know you were not reaching for that phrase. <clears throat> but I think master of some. You, you've been very successful with your book writing. Um, uh, tell me, did you know from jump? Did you know as a child when, when my, you got introduced to books that you were going to write? Interesting question because when my family home was destroyed from the north of England and it was torn down, my mother suggested I might go into what was left of my bedroom still, and I found four. A4 notebooks ring-bound, which were full of book and film reviews, which I'd written at the age of 12. Wow. And uh, I thought, yes, I'd always wanted to do it. Did you go to school knowing that's what you were going to do, or did you have something else in mind? No, and it's interesting, though. I realized, as Ali was saying earlier, you realize you're slightly different from your schoolmates. 
they were all, football was the thing. Right. And That's they, when you said, I don't know that much about sports. So I would stand outside the English class and I would tell them about the book we were all supposed to read because I was the only one who'd read it. The one who'd read so it. So I would give them the quick crazy of the, of the book that we were supposed to have read. I, I never aspired to be a sports type at all. So I suppose in a way there was a nerdiness there, which hopefully I have overcome. But well, <laughs> I, I wear the label proudly. You know, yes. if someone wants to tell me I'm a book nerd, I'm kind of happy it's with not, that. It's not a bad label. It is not anymore, that's for sure. Particularly now when you see, I often speak to parents and say, do your kids read? And they tend to say yes because it was a mix of people who are in the book world. So their kids would read. But I worry about the future in I America, Britain. I, I do too. You know, when you, I, I've noticed when I'm sitting on the tube as I'm trying to get around, maneuver my way around, I see a lot, a lot of young people. Now, I've got, you know, a Kindle book on my phone, even if it's only just a, a couple stops from one to the other. Everybody else says their head is down. I'm afraid for their posture will never Tell be normal. Their posture will never be normal, and I think there really can't be anything on Snapchat or uh, Reddit or uh, oh, those other places that is any more. How will you yeah. know about the but world? What you're, what you're talking about is the dumbing down of both our nations. Yes. Both America and Britain have a, a dumbing down. It's horrible. Uh, and it's, it's depressing. It's very depressing. So there isn't the patience to read even a, a short book. You know, I went to um, I went back to school, and um, was taking an English literature class, and um, the professor was lovely, and he said, "Okay, I want everyone to read Prince of Tides," which I had read long before. He said, "You, you know, we're going to do five books this semester, and you're going to choose one to, to write your thesis on." So I, I reread Prince of Tides and forgot how much I fell in love with it, and so ended up reading the whole book out loud. So when, because you know you, it's a different part of your brain it that's is. hearing it. it is. And so when I very um, good idea to read from books yeah, out loud. Because you get the beauty of mm. the words, or, or just the flow of the action or the dialogue. Mm. So, and then I wrote my thesis and, and did very very well on it. And he said, "Oh, I wish all of my students were mature students <laughs> like you." <laughs> well, that is a compliment of sorts. Well, kind of, you know. You see, it's easy for our generation because there were not the distractions when we were kids. That there are kids today. I was not letting them off the hook. That's because true. Because kids still can read books if they want. Right. We didn't have Snapchat or whatever. Uh, and, and you know, I'm I'm kind of grateful that my phone is not a smartphone. It's kind of a you know high school graduate phone. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I I can do just what I have to do to stay out of town and not worry. <laughs> Otherwise, I I would I would hate to think that I'd be you know, glued to my phone doing this apps and everything. And that's good reading time when you're doing all that stuff. It really is. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very blessed to have, like like I was saying to you, an, uh, an abundance of books to choose from. Is there anyone you want to talk to that you haven't had a chance to interview? Actually, interesting you say that. Of most of the modern age writers I have managed to speak to, mm -hmm. at the age of 20, coming to London from the North, I made a point as a journalist of speaking to as many as I could. So it'd be nice to go back in the time machine and speak to Conan Doyle, say, oh, Christy. Christy, for sure. But there are so many fantastic writers around today. I don't feel deprived. Um, anybody alive that you'd like to talk to? Any U.S. writers that you'd like well, to talk I've, to? Well, I've managed to bag most of them. Really? From James Elroy. And was James Elroy, I knew would be tough. Right. And he doesn't suffer fools gladly. No, and he, he doesn't, doesn't like interviews. But he's brilliant. But I realized that there was an entree for me when I went to interview him, his, his latest book was Pathidia, and I went to him, and his publicist said he chewed up several people already, 
I said, don't worry, I'm a man more his age. And I said to him, I am the only person interviewing you who could sing Perfidia, the song. He said, go ahead. So by singing Perfidia, I, but I think he has no time for younger people. He respects, and maybe even women, dare one say it, he's, he's better with a man close to his own age. And, and, that, you know, and that's something I understand, I've learned, and as an interviewer, <laughs> you know, I've learned that there are questions you don't ask and you have to look for cues. Uh, when you're speaking to someone, but it's still all fun, no matter what. You, I walk away saying, "Huh, I never would have thought about that." Yes. That's, isn't that the fun part of? Yeah, that? there's still an insight which you don't, which you don't care. I've managed to speak to people like we were talking about Tess Garrison earlier, right. Patricia Cornwell, an interesting woman, yeah. very interesting, very woman, interesting you know. woman, yeah. Uh, conflicted in some ways, and yeah. that's what makes her an interesting. Yeah. Writer. I don't think she's the first to admit. Yeah. Uh, of course, being English, most of the English writers are available. Someone yeah. sees them all the time. It's so funny to me. Um, what is your favorite part of, of capital crime so far? The the ambience. I went to Bloody Scotland, the very first Bloody Scotland, and I like this one was a, a festival that hit the ground running. There's a kind of a vibe. There's a vibe yeah. going on. It's and you electric, know it's isn't yeah. it? Yeah. But you know the real measure of success is someone like you being here. Thank you. Once you get the Americans here, we're doing it. Adam asked me... Last year at Thriller Fest, he said, will you come over and broadcast live? And I said, yes. And that was it. My brother gave me the trip as a birthday present. My birthday so how do you find British conventions compared to, say, Bouchercom? Um, I, I don't like the silly things that go on at, at a lot of the U.S. conferences. They feel like they have to play games. Mm, I can do without very that. very selective about who they put on panels and who they won't. I don't like that. I want... A nice, diverse. I want to see who I like to read yes. on panels. I don't want, you know, only one author who's of a particular sales stature being featured. It should, because truly, you're not competing against your fellow writers. You're just competing against your own last book. Absolutely, good so, point. Yeah. What we don't understand in Britain though at Bouchercon is things like cat mysteries. They don't play here at all. Cozies don't do well. Cozies. Do. We have our cozies. But we don't get animals loving dance. Right. Why there is a debate or quilt mysteries or I know. You know it's, that's a whole, it's a whole subgenre of it but does really well. And believe me, it is a growing thing. I actually produce a show for co- just strictly for cozies. It is very popular and you know Well, I suppose the British are meant for cozies with Agatha Christie and Dorothy There you go. And, you there know. you go. And the, and the fact is, you know, this is how I feel. Someone is reading, I'm happy. Yes, I agree. And so there was a lot of fuss about when J.K. Rowling's books were being read by adults on trains. Some people were saying, it's a disgrace to the adults reading her. But I felt the new people are reading. Uh, you know. I, those were some darn good stories. They were good I'm stories. Sorry. Yeah. Well, you know. I, re- I can even remember the criticism of, of uh, Tolkien. People saying, that's really children's books. In fact, they're not. They're not children's books. It, because it's not a child writing it, first of all. So there's got to be some wisdom behind yes. the words, and that to me is gave me a big thrill. Yeah. And then when you read Tolkien, the storytelling ethos is so yes is so clear yes, and that's a through line that keeps you yes. reading. Absolutely, it? Barry, I've loved having you here. Will you please tell listeners where we can find you on the interweb, please? Okay, well I run a crime site called Crime Time, which is www.crimetime.co.uk, but despite the name, it's full of American writers. I've tried to cover as many writers as I can. And my books are published in America, although Crime Fiction and Reader's Guide is not out until later in 2020. 
All right, and we can just Google you and find you. You can. We? You'll find me everywhere. I'm thrilled that you've been here. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Thank you. It's been an honor having you, and good luck with Crime Fiction, A Reader's Guide. When will we be seeing that? So I think it's uh, as late as May or June next year in America, but it's out in November in Britain. Oh, congratulations. I wish you all the success in the world. Thank you, Barry. Thank you so much, Barry. Have a great day. And that's our show for right now, folks. I'll be back later on. I'm so thrilled that you were with me. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Mom and Dad. I'll see you later. Mm-hmm.